Well, I love, uh, I love all the Christmas songs and, and the, the Christmas spirit and the Christmas story and, and everything this time of year. Uh, the only thing we're missing is maybe the snow and, and the Christmas weather. Um, but today we're going to be looking at the, the Christmas story through the most familiar text in, in Luke 2. And Luke 2 is really the part that we read, you know, through the Christmas pageants. We hear it in the Christmas uh, Charlie Brown episode. You, you get it on the Christmas cards, and, and rightfully so, so much of the focus is put on baby Jesus and, and Mary and Joseph and, and the angels. But today we're going to take a look at maybe some of the, um, the forgotten characters, the, the misfits of the story, uh, which are the shepherds. And these are these people who are kind of the supporting cast of the Christmas story, the unassuming people off to the side who became the welcoming team for the newborn Savior of the world, and the first missionaries to spread that news and that joy to all the people. But when we look at the shepherds, and we're going to focus primarily on verses 15 and 20 of Luke 2, uh, we learn that there's, there's a lot we can learn from them and the example for us. And just a bit about the shepherds before we read the story. If you're unfamiliar with kind of the the cultural context of who the shepherds were, in short, they were kind of the unclean, disgusting misfits of this time. They were known as deceitful. They were marginalized in society. They're largely forgotten, and people had given up on them. And some of this was by association, some of this was probably earned. But as I look at this, isn't isn't that kind of like God to include those who have been forgotten in his story? But we're going to look primarily at their response to hearing the news of Jesus and and, and going to Jesus and what we can learn from them, the, the lessons from the shepherds today. We're going to take a, a, just a little bit further back. We're going to start in verse 8 as we read, just to get full context of, of this story in case you have forgotten and you're new at it today. So I encourage you to open up in your Bibles there in, in Luke 2. Uh, we're going to read together verses 8 through 20. But before we do that, I just want to pray for all of us as we read this familiar text. I want to pray that God really speaks to us in a new way today. So join me as we pray. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love for the world, for the ways that you have touched uh, and changed and shaped all of us. And God, I I pray for us, uh, those of us who have heard this Christmas narrative many, many times over, God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will be working in us in in a way today that that either reinforces the truths that we already know or that that it teaches us uh, just the depths of your love and, and, and your care for us. And God, I pray for those who, who are hearing this uh, somewhat for the first time or through a new lens, God, I pray that you would speak to them too. But I pray for all of us would walk out of here knowing that, that we are not the center of this story, uh, that you are. But through your grace and your love and your mercy and your compassion that you've included us in this story as well. So we thank you for that, for the depths of your grace. And today, God, I pray as we focus primarily on the shepherds and their response to your good news and and your coming, God, that we can learn from them and and who they are and and know that we're not much different than them, uh, that that you want us to respond in the same way. And so, God, I pray that that your words would would come uh, to life here through your Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me and into the hearts of all of us today. And we pray these things now in your name, Jesus. Amen. We're going to start again, Luke 2, verse 8 through 20. 
And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Now, this is right after Jesus has been born, by the way. There are shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping their watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. It's an amazing story, amazing account. No matter how many times you read what had happened, it's, it's truly hard to, to really wrap your mind around what happened that day. And the shepherds really had the front row seat to all of it. And when I read this story and, and I see how the shepherds responded to this, there's a lot of things that I take away from this. And the first lesson is that they believed what God told them. Now, it seems kind of easy for us because we see this story in the context of the whole story, the whole narrative of God. But for them, this was probably somewhat jarring everything that God had told them through the angel. And so let's just recap kind of everything that happened up to verse 15 when the shepherd said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that happened that the Lord told us about. So here they are, minding their own business in the fields, probably a mile or two from where Jesus was born, tending their sheep at night as they often do, night after night, And then a blinding light appears from the sky of which an angel in a booming voice is telling them about the birth of their Savior, followed by a chorus of angels saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace to his people on earth. Now this was not planned. It was not something they were assuming would happen that night. So it was this jarring moment of them saying, is this real? And I imagine they're kind of looking at each other, and, and one of them says, like, I told you the milk was bad, right? And is this really happening to us right now? And they're probably thinking, too, at the same time, is this now? Is this really now? You know, the coming of the Messiah that had been foretold for generations, thousands of years, and even the shepherds, who weren't necessarily religious people, knew about the prophecies. They knew about the expectations And here it is happening in this very moment. Good news. Today in Bethlehem, the city of David, the Savior of the world was born. Is this real? 
Is this really now? And then is this really how that the Messiah was born and is laying in a cow food holder? And they're they're probably wrapping their minds around everything they just heard. And I imagine in their perspective, this is pretty challenging to accept. And again, we have the benefit of retrospect. We, We can read this story in the context of all 66 books of Scripture and know that had to have been Uh, foretold and prophesied. We knew what happened after Jesus was born. We knew what happened after Jesus died and resurrected and everything from then until now. We can see it in the context of everything, but for the shepherds, this rocked their world. And they had to first choose to believe what God was telling them. And the same is is true for all of us. At some point, you have to take God at his word. You have to believe what he's telling you. But I also think with with all of this, when they're going to go see this baby lying in a manger in little old Bethlehem, they probably had to think at some point, is it really this simple? Is the Messiah, the, the promised Messiah, the King of kings and the Lord of all, did he really come to little old Bethlehem where we live in a manger where the cows live. And the simplicity of this all is, is, is probably a stumbling block in some ways. Certainly it would be for us today because we assume that the most important things in life are, are complex and, and unreachable. They're the things that we shouldn't be able to understand and accept and experience. The, the best things in the world are for the best people of the world in the best ways. But here is Jesus, the Messiah, coming to the simple shepherds in a simple way. We we have a hard time accepting simple a lot of times, and so much of of God's word is is pretty simple. His gospel of good news is is, is very simple, and and it's a stumbling block to us where we say, can can I really be forgiven just just through faith? I mean, just just through faith in God, I, I can be forgiven? Shouldn't this be more difficult? Shouldn't I have to to earn this? Shouldn't this be for the the most special of people? And then it's our nature to keep important things kind of out of reach. Now at home, uh, we have Christmas cookies that have have been made and and delivered to us already, and, and we keep them on the top shelf in our house for a reason. And many of us keep our important things out of reach, but God is one who keeps his cookies in the bottom shelf. And he keeps his truth and his word able for everyone to accept and understand. And because of this, in our condition to want to make things complicated, because we have a hard time accepting God as a word, we can, we, at his word, we, we tend to be too smart for our own good. And, and the most sophisticated and the most scholarly can sometimes miss the truth that's so clearly before them because they don't want to stoop so low to pick it up. That's our first lesson from those, that they believed what God told them. Even though it probably sounded crazy, maybe it, it sounded too simple for the time, but that's our lesson, is, is to believe what God tells us. And, and maybe one, one of the most important and most simple truths is John 3.16 that most of us have understood from a child. That God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's pretty simple truth for us just to believe and take God at his word, that God gave his son that we just must believe in him to have eternal life. And it's in our nature to think, well, it can't be that simple. Like, what, what does God mean by believe? What does it mean to have faith? It, it must mean doing something more than, than just believing, right? And, and we don't take God at his word. But even that verse itself was, was given with a bit of context. That part of John 3 is, is Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, who was one of the sophisticated and the educated of society. And he prefaced that verse by saying that just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And Nicodemus would have understood that reference to Numbers 10 that is talking about Moses in the wilderness lifting up a bronze snake to save Israel who was afflicted by a sickness. And in that story, they did nothing except look to that snake. They didn't have to crawl to the snake. They didn't have to earn their way to the snake. They didn't have to understand the snake. They just had to look at it to be healed. And that's the exact kind of faith that saves us from our sin in Jesus. Let's not make this too complicated. Let's learn from the shepherds and take God at his word. What he says is for you. What he says is true. Sometimes our own sophistication dulls our wits. Take God at his word and believe what you've heard. Now, they don't stop at faith. They don't stop at belief. They move on into obedience, which is our second lesson here. In verse 16, they hurried off after hearing this. They responded quickly in obedience to what they heard. Faith is not just an intellectual assent of believing or understanding or accepting the truths of God, but then acting on it, coupled in obedience. Again, the, the shepherds were fairly simple people. They were uneducated, and, and they, they were not devout people, and yet they heard this truth from God, and, and they responded, and they went quickly. And that's why I think it was the shepherds who were spoken to in this situation. See, I think if, if God had revealed himself to the priests and the scribes of society, they would have heard what the angels said, they would have wrote it all down, and they would have quickly then dissected every single word and tried to figure out how this fits into their understanding. They would have, they would have put together councils to debate what the meaning of these words meant, how it matched up with their understanding of the prophecies, even things like the city of David. In this time, there were, there were two cities of David that were accepted. There's Bethlehem, and there's also Jerusalem. And so they would have been like, well, Bethlehem doesn't make sense. Maybe, maybe they meant Jerusalem, and we got to pack up for this long journey. But the shepherds responded quickly in exactly what they heard. They didn't delay. They didn't overthink it. They didn't bargain. They heard the good news, and they responded. And it's like us in this situation to hear something so amazing and then say, well, hold on, God. 
Uh, I got to take care of my sheep. This one looks kind of uh, needy here. Uh, I'm kind of tired right now. Maybe I'll, I'll go in the morning. You know, feeling kind of sick. You know, once I once I recover from this, I'll I'll go on to go see this baby that I'm talking about. And we are the masters of procrastination. We are. We you know always try to do. We always put off today what we can do tomorrow, right? And and I've heard procrastination at work is is a way of doing. 30 minutes of work in eight hours or eight hours of work in 30 minutes. Right? We're always trying to put things off. But here they, they dropped everything. And it says that they hurried off to go see what was told them. And the reality is that, that many people hear the good news of Jesus and they don't respond. They delay. They bargain. They said, that, that sounds good, but let me think about that. Maybe when I'm older, maybe if I get this promotion at work, I'll think about that. But nothing is more urgent than to respond to the good news of Jesus. None of us are guaranteed a next moment or a next day. They went, they hurried off quickly to find Jesus. Now, another lesson we get from verse 16 here is that they looked in the right place. And some of you might be saying, well, duh. I mean, Jesus is in the manger. Where else were they going to look? But again, think about this perspective for them as, as they hear all of this amazing news. And, they, and, and, the, and the last thing they hear from the angel is, is the Savior will be laying among the livestock. Right? This is utterly ridiculous. That was a pun there. I can't pass up a good pun, you know. I just have to really milk those puns. Let's move on. Yes. That was a mistake. But think about this for a moment here. They're told to look for the Savior in a manger. And this would challenge anyone here today. This is like going to the White House and for a press conference, and we say, you know what? The president's going to meet you in the garden shed. It blows their perspective. And this would have gone against their own understanding and expectations. And God tells us not to lean on our understandings in life, but to follow him. You know, even as they were looking for the manger, we don't know which manger this was. There's no directions given to them. There's, there's multiple places they could have looked. And as far as we know in the Christmas story, there was no angels hovering over where Jesus was born. There's no bright lights. There was, there's no step-by-step directions. They had to search for Jesus. And I imagine that they went to manger after manger after manger until they finally found him, and at some point, they were probably thinking, is this really for real? Like, did we just get hoodwinked here? And even when they got to the manger, the shepherds were the first ones there. They were probably assuming many people heard about this, and they probably got to the fourth or fifth or the sixth one. There's no line of people standing out of it, and they get there. They're the first ones to arrive to see the baby Jesus. They looked in the right place, though, they looked where God told them. And that's, that's something that's really important for us in life because I think we often look in the wrong places 
for things. Because everyone here, we're all looking for the same things in life, right? We're looking for contentment. We're looking for hope. We're looking for peace. We're looking for joy. We're looking for forgiveness and salvation. And God tells you there's one place to find all of those things. And that's in Jesus. You can look everywhere else for it, and you're never going to find it. Everything you're looking for is in Jesus. You have to look in the right place. It reminds me of a story I heard about a golfer. And I know that normally this would be cruel to bring up a golfing story to all of you golfers uh, because you have to think how many months until I, I get to golf. Just go golfing after church today if you want. This is one of the few years you might be, good, be able to do that. But it's a story of a golfer on a busy course who goes up and, and sees uh, an old man tee off and, and shoot it straight into the woods. And so he, he goes off the tee and is walking down the fairway and assumes that this man is just going to drop a ball and, and hit again. But then he starts pacing back and forth on the fairway, looking for his ball. And so finally, this other man comes up and says, what, what are you looking for over here? And he said, I'm looking for my ball. And so I saw you hit it straight into the woods. He said, yeah, I know, but it's much more comfortable to look here. But that, that's what we do in life, right? We know what we truly need, and, and we know where it's truly found, but it's Sometimes it's easier to look in other places. Sometimes it feels better to look in other places, and we're convinced we're going to find it there, but, but you won't. There's only one place to find what you're truly looking for, and, and that's in Jesus. You have to look in the right place. And also kind of a, a hidden lesson in all of this, again, in, in the same verse here, is that they didn't let their reputation stop them from going to Jesus. Again, the shepherds were used to being excluded and given up on in life. And it shows in all of this that the shepherds went anyway, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was laying in a manger. And this really shows for us that the, the grace of the gospel, the grace of the good news of Jesus that will cause great joy for all of the people. And even as they're going into the manger, you know, can you imagine the perspective of, of Mary and Joseph when they hear a knock on the door after Jesus has been born? And we don't know how long, uh, you know, how much time had passed. And it was just all of them. They hear the knock. And it's the dirty shepherds walking through the door. That's kind of like a, okay. And they knew that the reaction would probably be happening. But they went anyway. Everyone believed that the shepherds were no good in this society. Ceremonial law excluded the shepherds from worshiping in the temples. They were treated like pagans and Gentiles. It didn't matter where they were born and to who. Civil law prevented them from a lot of basic rights. And even in court, their testimony was not accepted in legal matters because they were seen as liars. And everyone, everyone had given up on the shepherds, and it's only a matter of time until they had given up on themselves as well. And yet when they heard the good news of Jesus, the Savior of the world, they went. They didn't let all of their past and, and their perceptions 
get in the way. And that's, that's another stumbling block for all of us, is we always ask, am I really good enough for this? Am I really good enough for God? Am I good enough for his gospel? And, and the reality here is, is no. I mean, none of us are, are worthy of this. None of us are, are good enough for this. And that's the beauty of it, is that, the, that grace is extended to all people who believe. And so if you're one that's thinking you're, you're either no good or that you're too good, stop it. And, and know that, that all of us have, have received this from God because of his immense grace for us. The ground is level before Jesus. In your past and your reputation and your perception, others of you or you of yourself, it doesn't matter. Don't let that keep you from Jesus. And so many have this mentality in life. When they hear the good news of the gospel, they say, that sounds great, but I need to clean myself up before I can come to Jesus because I'm just not good enough. But do any of you wait to be healthy before you go to the doctor? The shepherds remind us that God is always near and God is always reaching out and that nobody is too far gone. This is the gospel of grace in which Jesus is 100% our Savior. It's not a 50-50 deal. It's not a 90%, 10%. We don't even have 1% to do with our salvation. Jesus did it all. And all we have to do is go to him. So that's just a, a message for any of you out here, especially today, who are feeling no good, not good enough for Jesus. Jesus came specifically for you. All you have to do is go to him. And so after this amazing experience of, of seeing this child in the manger and everything exactly as, as, as God told them, the last lesson we have is they went and they told everyone about their experience. Now, we don't know for sure exactly what happened when they saw Jesus and how long they, they stayed there and what specific conversations they had with one another. But we do know that as soon as they left, they told everyone about what they had seen. They became the first missionaries of Jesus after he was born. And I'm just going to go on a limb here and say that they didn't go to seminary. They didn't have uh, months of training. They didn't have practice with one. They just told everything that they had seen and experienced. And they spread the word. And they did this with joy, we read in the scripture. And that's, that's what we understand is that sharing Christ with others is it's not a burden for us. It's not a bummer for us. It's a, it's a privilege that we get to share with everyone else everything we have experienced in the Lord. And they did it as soon as they experienced it. They didn't go home and, and put together a 20-minute PowerPoint presentation. It's just a simple message from simple people about an amazing experience with God. And I love this in, in the text. It says that all who heard this wondered or marveled or were amazed at what they heard. These lowly shepherds who didn't know how to read or, or write, 
they didn't know much about anything at all, had this profound story that amazed everyone who heard it. You know, the reality is, you do too. If you have experienced Jesus and if, if you've seen him and, and you know him, you have something to share with others that will amaze them and cause them to marvel. And as we go on in, in, in this text, we see in verses 19 and 20 that, that it even encouraged Mary, the mother of Jesus, who, who also had her own experiences and, and pr- probably the same angel visited her and spoke to her and her husband and she knew all of these things that were happening, but there's probably something about this birth that was maybe a little underwhelming for her. You know, if, you, if you're gearing up to giving birth to the Savior of the world, and now he's laying in the place where the cow food goes, there's probably something where, where she's really, maybe just a touch discouraged by all of this. But it says that the shepherds went and visited, and Mary treasured up all the things that they said, and she pondered them in her heart. There's this encouragement that these shepherds gave to the mother of Jesus. And I think we can encourage each other in those things too. You might think you don't have much to share, that you haven't experienced much, but everything you have experienced in life will encourage someone else when you share it. Maybe you have a difficult season of life that you've worked through. Maybe God has worked in a miraculous way. Share that with people, and it will give them hope for where they're at. But finally, we see that there's a profound impact on the shepherds themselves, that they returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were exactly as they had been told. We don't know whatever happened to these shepherds. They didn't sign a mega book deal or sell the rights to a TV program. They just went back to being shepherds, right? But they were different. They were changed. That they saw God and they walked in obedience to all of these things, that they shared everything they heard, and they walked away different glorifying and praising God for everything they'd experienced. But through all of this, we see that no matter what they experienced, no matter how much they understood at the moment, they immediately shared everything with others. And I encourage you today, if you have walked in faith and obedience to God, if you have been changed by him, God is working a miracle in you that's worth sharing with others. There's no such thing as a bad story. And some of us have this insecurity that, that God hasn't done enough cool things in my life that is worth sharing to others, and it's not like the other person's testimony. Share whatever God has been doing in your life, and it's going to have a profound impact on others. And throughout the year, we've had our own kind of big goal that we've been working on to, to reach 200 people with the good news of Jesus, and we're really close we're really close. We're at 183 right now, 17 to go. And I want you all to think about right now what's coming up in the next couple of weeks, that you're going to have gatherings with friends and family and, and co-workers. And undoubtedly, there's at least 17 of you here who know someone who needs to hear the good news of Jesus. 
Be willing to follow in the shepherd's example and share what you know. Share what you've experienced. And it will have a profound impact on the people in your lives. There's nothing more important than to share your hope and your experience in Jesus. As we wrap up today, I I just want to leave you with this. And all of this, be like the shepherds. You might think, I don't want to be the dirty, stinky outcast. The reality is, all of us kind of are. And God has has shared the good news of Jesus with you. And, And if you've come to him, he has made you clean, and he has made you healthy, and he has made you well. What we learn is that no one is too far gone from this. Believe what God tells you. Just embrace the simplicity of the gospel. Respond to it quickly. If God tells you something and God is calling you to something, then walk in obedience and do it quickly. Look in the right places. There's only one place for contentment and hope and peace and joy and love and ultimately forgiveness of your sins, and that's in Jesus Christ. Know that your past, your failures, your mistakes, your reputations has no bearing on where you can go in the future with the Lord. Don't let anything hold you back. And then share. Share everything you've experienced with God. Your story and your willingness to share with others may be the difference of eternity for someone else. Share everything you've heard and spread it with joy. Let's close in prayer today. Lord, we want to thank you for this amazing story that we can read over and over and over again and, and never be tired and always be amazed at, uh, at what you've done for us. But God, I pray for us today that, that we can know our place in your story as well, that the ways that you worked in the shepherds and, and changed them, made them into new people. God, the same is true for all of us here today. So God, I just pray that we'd walk in that obedience, that we'd walk in that faith, God, that we'd walk in that joy. Uh, But I pray for us specifically as as we know others who don't know you, God, may we be the light in their lives today. may, May we be the messengers who share that good news with them that causes great joy for all the people. But I pray in all of this that our hope is found nowhere else but in you, that we search for all of what we need in you and in you alone. So God, I just pray in that that we would be like the shepherds going on and, and praising and glorifying you with our lives as changed people. So we thank you for this, and we pray for the, the week coming up as we celebrate your birth on Christmas Eve and celebrate with our friends and our families. God, may we just be your light in the world uh, this, this Christmas season. We just pray for you to be magnified and glorified in that. We pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.